Welcome to the very first episode of Exile Nation, the brand new London Irish podcast. I'm Bill Pulling from the London Irish media team, and I'm delighted to say that today I'm joined by the one and only Topsy Ojo. At a time when supporters are sadly unable to attend matches, we've been looking at ways to keep you, the Exile supporters, as close to the club as possible, and this podcast will do just that. We'll be speaking to first-team players, former players, coaches and the off-field staff, bringing you exclusive content on a regular basis to ensure that you don't miss a thing. Topsy will be with us for the next half an hour or so as we take a trip down memory lane, looking back at his playing career with the Exiles before throwing things forward to the present day as the club embarks on this new and exciting era back in town. This is Exile Nation. Okay, Topsy, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. Um, firstly, 2020 has been a, a bit of a crazy year for everyone. How have the past few months been for you personally? Uh, yeah, crazy's been an understatement. <laughs> I think it's um, it's been so tricky, so difficult for everyone. Um, personally, for me, it's not been too bad. I mean, touch wood, so far so good. No positive tests, so that's been great. Um main lockdown I mean we had a garden the kids were happy they're young enough that they kind of knew what was going on but they weren't too involved in it they were just yeah. like right so we're staying home can we go outside and play yeah of course you can so we were able to kind of just open the back doors let them go and roam around and I think that took a bit of pressure off homeschooling as well which we found out very quickly that our son knows a lot more than we do because <laughs> uh, things seem to have changed um and I think once we kind of got our heads around it, like for me personally, I, you know, I, I relied on a lot of what I'd learned through sports. So I, I think, you know, I made sure that I got out and I exercised quite a lot. Yeah. And I think long as I did that, then I could handle anything that came my way through the day. So for me, it was up nice and early as the kids were up, get out, do my exercise, whether it's go for a run, bike or do a home workout. And then after that, I'm set for the day and I'm ready to go. Um, so that was kind of the formula for, for lockdown and it, it seemed to work okay for us. Um, what about the, the new lockdown? The, the weather's different, lockdown, not allowed out? The new lockdown, weirdly, isn't much of a lockdown for me because um, between school coaching and elite sports, they're both both exempt. So I've been able to kind of carry on as per usual, which has been great, you know. So it was kind of lockdown too and then I thought about it for a second and it was actually, well, I'm actually still going. So... <laughs> very very grateful in that respect and you know obviously still being careful of course because you know privileged enough to still be working and you don't want to jeopardize that so making sure i still do all the right bits and pieces brilliant okay well let's focus on some positives for now we're going to take it back a bit in your uh, early days of your career um can you tell us how you initially fell in love with the sport with the rugby well I'd say I was probably a bit of a late starter to compared to a lot of people now. You know, I didn't do any minis rugby. I didn't really pick up a rugby ball till I was just shy of 11 years old. Um, the love for the game, I think it was it was my school sport. So, you know, I'd play it with all my classmates, all my schoolmates. We just loved it. We had a good team. And as we improved, as we got better, like I got better and improved as well. You kind of start to hit a few milestones you play county rugby divisional rugby and as you kind of approach the end of school the world of rugby professional rugby opens itself to you and you know I, I didn't really see it as a career probably until I was I'd say 16 17 
and you kind of get in and involved around England age group teams and London Irish became on the radar as well towards the back end of my school career um, and it, it kind of just took off from there so uh, a slow burner but you know I'd imagine by the time I was 16 17 it was right okay this rugby this this is serious this is the real deal you touched upon the the London Irish Academy Let, let's talk about that for a moment it's it's pretty um, a famous academy for developing some pretty fantastic players yourself included um, a bit nice wasn't it <laughs> right. ego boosting I like oh, it there you good, go. good. <laughs> can you uh, talk us through the London Irish Academy what was your experience like coming through that um, it was tough I mean don't get me wrong like I I didn't really lift the weight properly until I got here and obviously <laughs> I, I look at the system now you know we have access to the kids a lot earlier and they're in the gym and we're looking at their S&C and the provisions like it was almost a world away um, I remember many a session where I literally couldn't lift my arms up above shoulder height it was that painful I had no interest in the gym I just wanted to be outside and doing all that so you, you had to learn those bits as well because I mean you know you see the game now it's so physical and it, and it was then um, if you couldn't handle yourself in that respect you were going to get found out quite quickly and that was probably one of the things I really needed to develop in terms of right okay you, it's good having the athletic ability but if physically you can't cope with it and your body's not robust enough then you're only going to last so long so that that was one of the early lessons um i think i'd say toby booth and corin palmer who were running running the show then i mean they really prepared us mentally as well like you know they pushed us you might say sometimes maybe pushed us too far but ultimately <laughs> the proof is in the success and yeah. you know you talk about how successful the academy has been and I guess I'm testament to a number of players that have come through that system and come out and gone on to have really good careers. So, um, you know, they taught us what it was going to take to be successful, not just to get through the academy, but to establish ourselves as professionals and to go on to have careers. So um, overall, I mean, you know, it set me up for the for the career that I had. And, you know, if I didn't have that academy experience and exactly how it went... I probably wouldn't be sat here talking to you right now. True, true. And that experience in the academy led you to 2005, your London Irish debut. What was going through your mind that day? Like, do you, What memories do you have of that day? Uh, <laughs> initially frustration because I was supposed to make my debut a few weeks before. Right, okay. And I hurt my ankle in the week. Uh, I thought, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's my debut. I have to play. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to get through the team run, couldn't, got pulled. And so it's like, right, how long till I'm fit? How long till I get another shot? Because you talk about academy, you're desperate to break through and make your debut. Uh, so to have that taken away was was tough initially. Yeah. You know, you're a young kid, you, you know, you just want to play. Um, so yeah, to get back to that stage, it was like, right, frustration over, I'm back. Uh, then it's like, right, okay, how many minutes am I going to get? You know, you're on the bench, you think your first game, you might get 10, 20 minutes end of the second half. Uh, there's an injury and I end up coming on at half time. So you're almost like, right, okay, I'm in. Like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. No time to kind of really think and have that, you know, that warm up time to prepare yeah. yourself. Um, but you're just excited. You know, you, you just want to throw yourself in. And Davey went really well, scored, we won. And again, it's just that that was the beginning and one of those memories that I'll always have because as, as a kid coming through, you want to make your Davey, you want it to go well. And you want to kickstart your first team career in a positive fashion. So 
happy that I was able to do that. That first try, did you give it a big celebration or was it very much play it cool? No, no, no. no. That was coming. head gone, jumping in the air, screaming, <laughs> shouting, find the first person who's going to pick me up, fist pump in the air. Yeah, uh, yeah all of the above. Brilliant. Okay. And then England honours uh, soon followed as well for you. Was that a, a massive moment for your family? Yeah, huge, huge. It's um, something that I'm able to look back on now, especially since retiring and appreciate that I was able to do it. Absolutely would have loved more caps, would have loved to have played a home international, but you don't take these things for granted. And you know, I remember my, my, my dad and my brother flew out. My brother always said, look, wherever you make your debut, I'm going to be there. And as soon as the squad was announced, he was like, right, I'm booking my flight. Like, obviously, I didn't know I was going to even play, but he was like, I'm coming. Doesn't matter. I'll be out there. Uh, so he came out with my dad. Um, just amazing. Like, so, so good. Um, I get asked a lot about the hacker and how that was. And it, it was just so exciting because you where, where did you on. look for that? Where did you look when they were performing the hacker? Where did you look? I can't remember now. I think I kind of just scanned across the line back and forth. Don't catch anyone's eye contact. No, no, you don't want, like, you know, you, <laughs> you're not trying to lock eyes with somebody, but you're just absorbing it and taking it all in because it's something that I'd have watched on the TV for many, many years and seen it and you think like, right, okay, that'd be cool to face it. So when you're in it and you're in the moment, obviously you don't want to get overawed, but it's like, right, okay, this is real now. This is, this yeah, is about yeah. to happen. Um, so just I, I enjoyed it so much it was brilliant amazing memories obviously to score as well yeah. uh, to be one of few people to have done that is is just brilliant and I'm able to look back on it now and like I say just be hugely hugely appreciative of being able to do that to play for your country like you know it's what you dream of and you know not everybody gets to do that like I say I know would I have loved more caps of course but there's many people who would love one cap yeah. and they've not even got absolutely, that. So, absolutely. no, just, yeah, brilliant, brilliant memories. Carter nearly got the pass in. Ojo's got it. Now, Ojo's so quick. Across comes Muliaina. Ojo for the corner. He's in. Try! Awesome. Okay, let's take it back to London Irish days again. You played uh, at the Madstad during a, a pretty impressive era for London Irish, uh, the likes of Mapasua and those guys. Um, when London Irish reached the final of the Premiership, what is it like playing in front of uh, the Irish supporters at the Madstad in those times? It was brilliant. It, I could say that was that was the ambition coming through the academy. You wanted to make the first team. You wanted to be at the Madstad, playing in front of home fans, um, playing in front of stadiums, in front of thousands of people, and doing something you love, but obviously with an audience as well. And you know that. To have that for many, many years, uh, to, I guess, build up the relationship that I had with the fans as well and, you know, to go through those really high periods that we had, um, it was it was brilliant. Like, that was, I guess, everything you wanted, what you were aiming for. You know, when I was coming through the club, we, had, we knew that, I guess, other teams maybe looked down on us a bit. We didn't have the respect and we knew we needed to earn that, but we had that that underdog mentality that basically said, right, you know, well, we'll just go about our business. People can say what they want about us and that's fine. We'll have our own inner belief and our ambitions and a clear picture about what we want to achieve. And, and we just went on our way and we, and we did that. And, you know, we took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, people started to stand up and take notice of us, obviously peaked around Premiership final, yeah. Heineken semi-final those years. Um, we nearly got there. We nearly, nearly... Uh, hit the ceiling but unfortunately fell, fell a, a few points short um, 
but again you know in reflecting and looking back like I say I mean I just to be able to have those sorts of memories to pick out games over the years and to say you know these are this was brilliant that was brilliant and to have you know you talk about the players that came through academy players international signings um we just the formula was right everything clicked everything gelled um it translated onto the pitch we had a good time on the pitch we had a great time off the pitch as well you know we had those relationships that camaraderie um that bond in the squad um and I guess it told in that I was able to just do it all with a smile on my face. Absolutely, fair enough. Um, so obviously you're retired now. Looking back on it now, London Irish's all-time record try scorer is a pretty impressive achievement. Have you sat down and really thought about what you did in the game for the Exiles? Yeah, yeah. I'd say you left off the appearances as well. Oh, but uh, but yeah, I'll, sorry, I'll let bad. you off with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm able to sit back now and appreciate it a bit more because I get you get asked about it a bit more I think when you're in it you're not focusing too much on hitting milestones or hitting records I mean it's just about being out there on a weekend and delivering um, I know the closer it got like the records and that you know people did start to talk about it more and it was difficult not to think about that um, but I'd say now just yeah incredibly proud because you don't know what's going to happen at the start you know, I'm in the academy. My first job is to get an extension to my academy contract. It could be one year and I'm out. You get that extension, then you're thinking, right, okay, I want to, I need to push on now. I need to make the first team. You get your first contract. You're thinking about a second contract and you're thinking about England and internationals and just building and building. So to kind of get to the end of it and to see what you've achieved and almost what you've ticked off along the way without having those goals at the start is... Um, yeah, it, it's big, like I say, and I hope it's something that will stand for a long, long time. Um, it would be great to see someone try and take it on and try and beat it because, you know, that's what records are for. But ultimately to have that right now, to kind of be out there on your own is is something special. Again, it's something that I'll have for a long, long time. Uh, you know, the pictures, the memories, you know, my family were involved in a lot of that as well. Um, just just really, really good memories. Deservedly so. And... Looking back on it again, the big question, any regrets of your career? <laughs> yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I mean, regrets, no. I mean, I think when you're in the moment, you're doing everything that you feel is right. Um, things that I would like to have changed, absolutely. You know, you know, we talk about the nearly moments we have. I would love to be sitting here saying, you know, we picked up a major trophy. Um, love to be sat here saying that we didn't experience those relegations um, we didn't go through those bad times um, a lot of teams have them a lot of organizations have them maybe it's part of the journey in terms of you know you got to go through those low periods to experience the peaks um, but of course you know if you're giving me the option to choose I would change the two-point loss into a two-point win <laughs> in the final stuff like that I would have been on the pitch instead of off the yeah, pitch nursing yeah. a knee injury so there's, there's things like that the uncontrollable so. yeah yeah but I mean ultimately like you say you know I'm able to look back now and look at everything I achieved and say you know would I want to have changed any of that do I regret sitting in there now with what I've done absolutely not Okay, brilliant. And and final question on your past at London Irish. You've built up a, a pretty special bond with the London Irish supporters over the years. Do you think there's anything in particular that uh, contributed to that? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think one of the standout things is maybe that, I say we, I mean, definitely me. Maybe they've seen me kind of grow up 
through the club, you know, turning up as a 16, 17 year old, um, finishing in, in my 30s, um, seeing that process of academy to first team to international. Um, I think homegrown is quite a rare thing. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what's made the bond that special. I mean, don't get me wrong, you can come from anywhere else and have that. I think guys, you know, Maps is testament to that. Um, but I think that relationship in terms of the start of the journey through to the end, um, having a name that's easy to chant as well, <laughs> that, that, that helped as well. Um, yeah, we've just always had a, a closer, a close relationship, I think. And, and I think that's helped. And I guess the sport itself in that we're so accessible as players. So you're actually able to build those relationships off the pitch as well. I think that's been huge. And you know, I, I think that's endeared me to them and vice versa as well. You know, I've always been so well supported, um, been able to build really good relationships with, with many, many of the fans. And that's continued even now into now that I've stepped away. Um, you know, I, I think all those memories we talk about, they're shared memories. So they're yep. not just mine. The fans have experienced them as well, whether that's at the Madstad, traveling all over Europe. Um, we've kind of been part of that same journey. So I, I think that's what's helped build the relationship from Toulouse but now it's Ojo oh and he's away he's got one to beat Ojo he's past Hamers Ojo is going to score and in a flash that try establishes Irish's right to beat. okay so before we go on to the present day we're going to do a, a quick Q&A quick fire round Ooh, for okay, you okay 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 so it's all about your, your London Irish time so let's start off with the most memorable match uh, Munster in the Heineken Cup at home, I think 2010, I want to say. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Funniest moment at the club? <laughs> On or off the pitch? Um, Your Juan, choice. <laughs> Juan Leguizamon in the, uh, the St. Paddy's Day game. Yeah, um, that's quite memorable, that. Yeah, 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 that will long live in history. That's <laughs> one of the uh, most shocking yet funniest moments I've ever seen. <laughs> what was the, the sound like in the crowd when that ball dropped out of his hands? What was it, what was it like to be on the pitch? <laughs> um, you probably weren't aware of it too much because you're kind of mid-celebrating and then it's like jaw on the floor, but then you're like, right, there's a scrum coming, so you've got to pick your teammate <laughs> up. You can imagine what he's going through. Yeah. Players, All players have been in that moment where you've done something and you're, like, you're just overthinking it, but we still had a game to win. So, yeah, from celebration to shock to, right, sympathy, empathy, right, get him off the floor and then to back <laughs> in game mode. Um, so no, not too aware of actually what was going on with the crowd, but probably similar. You know, you're about yeah. to celebrate and it's uh, snatched away. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Flick of an eye. Uh, your best try. Ooh, best try. There's so many, so many to pick from. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Bath away, the one I, I picked up a, a little award for uh, right near the beginning. Can't remember what year it was, but um, a try I probably should never have scored and somehow managed to. Um, but yeah, that, that one stands was out. Was that a team try or an individual solo? Individual, that one was. Um, we took a quick line out just inside our half, uh, kind of got the ball. There was the whole Bath pack in front of me, did a step and a spin and somehow I was through, beat the fullback <laughs> and scored. Uh, best player you've played with? Um, it's a it's a tie. It's a tie between Mike Cat and Maps. Mm -hmm. um, equally talented. I think 
Maps for obviously what he delivered on and off the pitch. Catty just taught me so much as well. Um, just a master of his craft. Like just made everything seem so effortless, so easy, but you know, you knew that he'd put the work in. Um, so yeah, those two guys, huge, huge influence on me. What about against? Best player you've played against? Against, um, obviously Dan Carter was special in those two tests. Yeah. Again, you don't think it in the moment, but looking back now, you think he just absolutely ran the show, just head and shoulders above any, any, everyone else. Um, he was brilliant. Um, Charlie Hodgson was actually interesting, a very technically skillful player to play against. He just mm -hmm. understood the game so well. Um, just just knew how to run the show. Again, fly halves, they, just, they have that rugby understanding, they have that brain. Um, Personally, I'd say one-on-one -on -one matchups. It's Alessandra Tuilangi was probably one yeah, that uh, <laughs> fairly formidable force there. Yeah? yeah, yeah, came up against quite a few times. You know what's coming. Yeah, you just kind of have to brace yourself and deal with it. But no, we we had quite a few good battles over the years. Brilliant. Okay, right. Let's take things forward to today. Um, you're now a club ambassador and you're working with a foundation. Like, can you explain a bit more about those two roles for us? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the ambassador role, it's essentially involves just representing the club as best as I can with a lot of the off-field endeavours now, especially with regards to Brentford. But it could be fans, sponsors, new and old, community relationships. I think just really trying to help grow the club. Podcast. Especially podcast, yes, well dropped in. You know, episode one, we're here, <laughs> aiming for a hundred at least. Um, but yeah, just really trying to help grow the club as we enter this new transition period, you know, the new stadium entering, you know, a new new borough as well, a whole new community. So that there's a lot going on. Obviously, I know we're, we're all dealing with this pandemic at the minute, but that's the essence of the role and doing my best to uh, tell everyone all the nice things I can about London Irish. Brilliant. And the work with the foundation? The foundation, yeah. So that, that goes hand in hand, probably more community based in that level. But again, it's about how the club can reach out and really make a difference in and around our communities. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the programs we're involved in at the moment, you know, we, we do Beat the Street is quite a big one. You know, we do Fit Surrey and uh, we do a lot with the Greggs Foundation as well. It is really just about giving back and helping those who are less fortunate and almost going above and beyond to, to, to do anything that we can. Um, really, really proud to be involved with that. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm the lucky one that gets to, I guess, tell people about it, but I know there's, we have so many brilliant guys that are actually out there really delivering and helping and you know, kind of being the guys on the ground and going into schools, going into prisons, going out on the streets and really, really trying to help people. And it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to see. We're still in the early stages, so we're just getting started, but in terms of what we can do and what we can achieve, it, it's pretty limitless. So very, very excited about where we can take that. And for anyone who uh, wants to keep up to date with your work with the foundation, it's on your social media channels. You keep people updated and London Irish Foundation have their own accounts as well. So give them a follow. Um, okay, so you've played in Reading and now you're part of the off-field staff that are preparing for the move to Brentford. How much does that excite you to be in a new role off the field rather than on it? It's been good, really good. You, uh, there's only so much you can prepare for it, but then until you're in it and kind of figuring it out, you know, it's, it's a different environment. You know, rugby looks after you so well as a player once you're in it, but you know, you get into the real world and you just you're more responsible for your calendar, your program, what you're doing. Um, but Brentford is a really exciting project to be a part of, and 
of course it's a shame that we're going to start and we, we won't have fans there but that that was one thing that almost really hit me when I first went there uh, a month or two back was to when fans get there that they'll appreciate it the um it was the first thing I did was almost picture it as we would like to see it with yeah, fans for yeah. big game you know packed house people singing chanting in the stands eating drinking just doing everything that you would want to see and hear at a new stadium so that day will come no doubt about it and when it does it will as much as it might sound a bit odd but it will be worth the wait you know let's get through this pandemic now you know let's do what we need to do and let's celebrate that day because it will be good it will be the start of a new era for the club a new era for the fans as well new stadium um, will make this place our home for the next however many years and, and build it into something really really special and when you were picturing all those supporters packing out the stands, a little bit of envy that you won't be running out there with the boys at the new ground? <laughs> that was the running joke. Cause, oh man, I, I should have held on just for another year or two. <laughs> just get to Brentford. But then I would have been holding on for even longer. Look at you know what, what we're going through now. I mean, to be honest, obviously you look at the new stadium and you think, right, yeah, it would have been nice to have played there. But I mean, I, I feel very lucky in that I've been able to move on into so many things that I enjoy doing that I've not really had a chance to miss the game too much miss being out there and I guess the longer it goes on the easier it is to you know say actually I'm very very happy in what I'm doing so I mean I even at the time that I made the decision to retire I knew that might be a factor but having been at a lot of games now working um, you know there's the odd moment where you know big moment big win and you kind of reminisce to those feelings but like I say I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now um, I, a lot of stuff that I knew I wanted to get into. It's going well, touch wood. Hopefully it continues going the same way. Um, so I'm very happy for the guys to crack on and I'll just talk about it from the sidelines. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and speaking of, of what you're doing, um, obviously you're, you're very much into your punditry now as well. So with your pundit's hat on, London Irish about to start the season, Worcester away next weekend. What are your predictions for the season for the boys? <laughs> Putting me into yeah, official hot seat, mode now. Hot seat. Um, Look, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. I think, you know, obviously the pandemic has done so much, but, and, you know, I guess with everything that happened last year between that, between Saracens, a, a bit of the pressure was off. It's now back on, so the team needs to deliver. Um, obviously, we need to get guys out of the physio room. I know that that was a big thing last year and that decision was made. And of course, you stand by that. That's fine. But now points are up for grabs. Um, and it's important, as we probably say every year, but maybe even more so this year, to get off to a good start. Um, I think Irish need to be a team that's really awkward, really difficult to play against. You need to go everywhere. And if you don't win, you've got to pick up points. I think you only need to look at the league table from last year, how close the playoffs were last year, to see that points matter. Losing bonus points matter. Losing try bonus points matter. So you've, you've got to rack those up. Um, I'm excited for what the team can do the potential as well especially for the younger guys who had to play a lot last year where maybe they weren't expected to where they're going to be now in terms of their development um, there are probably still a lot of harsh lessons coming but if they can learn a lot from the back end of last year I see no reason why they can't be very competitive this year get off to a really solid start go to Worcester pick up a win and then that just settles everything you know the toughest thing last year I know we were experimenting guys were playing but you do need a win just to kind of give you that 
that appreciation that what you're doing is working, you are on the right track, just gives you that affirmation. And to not have that, it's tough because you know you feel like you're banging against a brick wall, and you're like, "Come on, we are doing the good things." Yeah. But it only ta- in this league, it takes one mistake and it turns into five and seven points. So, I think the younger guys, especially, will have a bigger understanding of that. What I'd actually really love to see is for the guys who were unfortunately injured last year to know that they need to come in and really deliver. Mm. I think to understand that these young boys put a marker down. Yeah, push them Actually, now they have a taste for first team rugby to say, okay, we weren't keeping your seats warm. Yeah. These are our shirts now. Yeah, yeah, you 100%. need to come in. Reputation is nothing. You need to come in and take these shirts off us. And that will build a healthy, competitive environment that will actually drive to better performances because everyone will know if you don't deliver, there's someone snapping at your heel to take your shirt so i'm excited to get going to see what the boys do um you know to see benny loader and ollie pick up from where they left off you know real huge seasons for both of them mm-hmm. coming up um to see paddy in year two to see now how he steers the ship and how he gets going uh to see you know to see curtis in that year two now okay we've got a taste of what it is now yeah settled in a bit um, more. Um, yeah, yeah okay now let's let's get stuck into it properly and obviously to see the forwards roll their sleeves up and you know, you know, start start to get stuck into some teams. So excited, yeah, it's good. Short break, nice little off season, nice and punchy. And say next week, next weekend, we're into it all over again. This is a relentless year that we're having. You know, shows no signs of stopping. It's going to be a tough year. Like I say, boys are going to need to dig in in some cases, but let's get this thing going. So cautiously optimistic is how you put it. No, more than cautiously. More than cautiously. No, very, very optimistic. optimistic. Yeah. Okay. Um, there we go, London Irish supporters. Topsy OJ. <laughs> optimistic about the season. Okay, brilliant. So finally, as we alluded to at the very start of the podcast, it's been a bit of a crazy year for everyone. But as we approach the start of the season, what would your message be to the XR supporters? A couple. I'd say, uh, first and foremost, thank you. Um, you know, I appreciate everything they did for me as a player, but you know, you talk about what's happened in the, in, in the last kind of nine months or so, um, to stick by the club through very tough times. Everybody's been dealing with this in their own individual ways. It's affected us all differently. Um, but to be able to make sacrifices for the good of you at the club that you support is, um, I mean, it, it's amazing. You know, some people, you might not be able to do that. That might cost you, but ultimately you've made that decision. So from me and I know from the club as well um, I would definitely say thank you Um, look after each other definitely keep checking in on each other Um, if you need something ask again this is tough we're all kind of being isolated from each other through these lockdown periods but again don't feel like you need to do it on your own because there's always ways to you know go out and meet somebody in the street go for a go for a walk stay two meters apart you can do that Um, let's not struggle in silence and so let, let's appreciate what we have and let's look forward to what's to come you know we uh this vaccine news is maybe is is good obviously we'll we'll see what develops but there is an end there will be an end to this thing um and when that day comes like i say if it's at brentford if it's in your home whatever your circumstances we celebrate that and we'll look forward to a, a brighter future so thank you for what you've done so far stick with it keep going and we will definitely see you at the end of this Amazing. Well, thank you very much, Topsy, for coming in and joining us, and hopefully we'll we'll see you again very soon, but keep staying safe.